Namaste and welcome to another edition of the Bharatvarta Weekly. Perfect winter morning today in Bangalore here and uh, kind of the ideal weather to bring you the news and events from the week that was. I have with me your guests Ashish Chandorkar and Srivatsa Subarna. Hey Ashish, hey Vatsa, how are you guys doing? Hi hey, Kari. Hey, so we have plenty to discuss today and uh, as usual we will begin with uh, a couple of the episodes that we did last week. uh i really liked the mahabharat uh, episode i mean i'm a fan of uh, uh, mahabharat anyway i think i discovered so many nuances each time uh, you know i read about it and so on uh, ashish what do you think about this yeah uh, fascinating episode indic uh, academy has been doing a great job in terms of bringing uh, to life some of the things that we should know but we don't uh, in terms of the content the itihasa uh, which which we have forgotten or which which has not been documented i think this is a more modern version of it where we are looking at the uh, story of mahabharata from the lens of the lesser known warriors so so the book called unsung warriors which was uh, edited by sai swarupa iyer who's a fabulous uh, writer and apna uh, shidan author so a uh, lot to learn and um, uh, it's a, it's a series i mean the the book contains like 10 uh, different stories so it's it's a series of stories which uh, uh, brings together the lesser known names of the of the epic uh, we covered two in that episode but uh, uh, i'm looking forward to reading the book actually now fantastic uh what's a you did an hour long deep dive on uh, india's covid-19 vaccine rollout uh, what were the highlights so there were a, i think there were a few things uh, one is you know dr amit is a practitioner so getting you know someone's perspective who has skin in the game is always different from you know listening to a lot of theoretical knowledge that you get whether it be from newspapers or columns or so on uh so there are a few worries when it comes to you know the scale of the vaccine rollout and so on with us talking about 300 million people and how will we deal with adverse reactions and so on and so forth he actually uh gave a very positive picture and said that you know all of these are not things to be worried on because uh, there is a good plan in place and at the end of the day a lot of people self inject themselves right with uh, insulin at home so it's not like it's a very complicated process and needs a lot of trained personnel so to me uh, you know quelling some of those myths and fears was was the highlight of the uh, entire discussion Uh, uh along with you know getting a ringside view from uh, amit paranspe he's you know very well read on lot of aspects related to science and the vaccine and he brought in a lot of interesting perspectives from you know what's happening in different parts of the world and uh, how despite all the a lot of doom and gloom scenarios being painted we're not in that bad a shape when it comes to the vaccine rollout we have a pretty good plan in place and we should be able to meet our target of uh, vaccinating uh, around 300 million people this year provided we have enough stocks of the vaccine uh, which which was another thing that came out that as of now and that's again a global phenomenon in the sense right. that we don't have enough stocks of uh, vaccine going around in, uh, when it uh, comes to the covid vaccine All right, let's move on to the first item of news uh, for today. Uh, the Ministry of Ports, Shipping and Waterways is going to initiate a seaplane service. This new initiative will be undertaken under a special purpose vehicle, SPV, 
involving airline operators. Under this plan, the government has uh, envisioned 106 waterways with a hub and spoke model. <clears throat> it aims to become a supplementary means of faster and more comfortable transport across the country. Ashish, almost every week we bring new infrastructure development. What do you think is the impact of this seaplane service? Yeah, uh, another good story uh, after the railways that we've been covering. I, th I guess we'll talk about that today also a little bit. Uh, the uh, what the seaplane the services are already on in between Ahmedabad and uh, Kevadia, which is the Sadar Patel statue. So uh, the idea is to expand those services in other areas, the the chosen destinations. So the ideas are like the Andaman and Nicobar Islands, Lakshadweep Islands, uh, in Guwahati, uh, also at Yamuna Riverfront in Delhi. Although that that sounds a little ambitious to me, given the condition of the river in, in Delhi. But nonetheless, that's the plan. Uh, in uh, in Tehri, in Uttarakhand, in Chandigarh, and also in other several, several tourist destinations, with the idea being that the dams are used as the the landing locations, landing and takeoff locations. So, um, given that we do have a fairly big water reservoirs in pretty much all these states, uh, the idea may actually work, but it depends on what kind of who's betting for it and what kind of safety norms are being put in place and so on. The uh, uh, the the idea here is that uh, the the lesser known villages because uh, typically dams will have access to more interior regions of the country uh, so the lesser uh, uh, known areas or the or the less connected areas where people find it difficult to go to the airports or access the highways they basically then have access to uh, another way of transportation of course the 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 medium kind of uh, limits the uh, the capacity in the sense that these planes are small planes and not a lot of cargo can be transported. But nonetheless, it still creates an option. And I think more than that, the tourist destinations then come alive. I think that is the main benefit mm -hmm. here that uh, basically it becomes very relevant for the religious and the tourist uh, uh, cr crowd, which uh, which basically can access uh, difficult locations uh, in an easier way. So, so that is the idea. I mean, again, uh, Minister Gadkari's ideas have always been ahead of, of the time. Some of them may not get implemented due to the, let's say, the uh, practicality or the or the readiness of the infrastructure. But I think what he's been doing in terms of, um, you know, creating possibilities, I think that is is really wonderful. And uh, I think the what might happen is that uh, the 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 airlines may bit after looking at the Ahmedabad Kevadia route success. And I think because we had a COVID year and obviously there was a difficult. Um, I mean, this was not the time to gauge tourist traffic per se or footfalls per se because uh, things were not really, really in, in, in shape. Uh, maybe some of this may may get pushed to the end of this year in terms of the actual bidding and, and companies uh, showing interest. But nonetheless, an exciting prospect for smaller villages and tourist locations. All right, moving on. Uh, Prime Minister Modi inaugurated the Kochi Mangaluru gas pipeline this week. The pipeline is 444 kilometers long and will carry natural gas from a plant at Kochi to Mangaluru. The pipeline will fulfill the gas demand of 80 to 90 million cubic meters of gas per annum. The cost of the project is estimated to be around 5,750 crores. This project crosses water bodies in more than 100 locations and took about 11 years to complete. Vatsa, what do you think uh, this will impact? Uh, so very interesting project. Uh, I mean, the Kochi LNG terminal has been, uh, you know, around since 2009. And this is the first pipeline be, uh, that's being built. So in the sense, we've had, you know, a place where we can import natural gas. 
but there's no way to kind of uh, evacuate it and sort of push it to different parts of the country for consumption uh i think it's a mistake we should not repeat in the future uh coming to this uh you know specific uh, specific project uh it is uh, it is part of uh, you know what the pm calls uh, one nation one gas grid so there is a there is a very conscious effort uh to uh, enable a single grid whereby you know gas can be transported throughout the country through a series of pipelines it's it's a very ambitious uh, kind of project uh you know in the same way that uh, electricity is uh, is done to give you uh, you know uh, an idea of the scale of the challenge today about uh, 20% of india uh has access to natural gas and we are looking to increase that to about 402 districts which would probably cover uh you know about 70 75% of uh, india's uh, area uh there are there are you know the obvious benefits uh you know people will get access to you know cheaper gas uh in uh, in you know uh, in these areas uh also the gas can be uh you know consumed uh, by poorer people so it reduces dependency on uh, fuels like kerosene so natural gas is a much cleaner source of fuel than kerosene so there are uh, the uh, obvious uh, benefits uh india has a very ambitious target of moving to about uh, 15% in terms of total uh, energy consumption to uh, natural gas we are at about 6% right now and there is a there's a lot of action happening in this space right uh, so till 2014 we had about 14000 kilometers of gas pipeline but to give you an idea the us has about a million kilometers of gas pipeline and we are going to add another 16000 kilometers in the coming few years so overall uh, i think what is happening is that we are also trying to uh, build a more sort of uh, diversified and cleaner uh, fuel mix when it comes to consumption uh, so uh, i i think this this project is significant in the sense that it's possibly one of the first uh, that that is uh, that is in the works uh, it obviously also benefits the mangalore refinery uh, you know where natural gas can be used and again it's it's a much cleaner source as i mentioned so overall i think in the coming years we'll see a lot of liberalization uh, and a uh, lot of value being generated uh, in the entire natural gas sector and uh just as you know we have electricity where we have uh, generation transmission and distribution similarly in this sector we will see uh, upstream companies like ongc uh, then you know companies like gale that do transmission and the oil marketing companies who can then handle the distribution and there will be it will add i think significantly in terms of the gdp and also generate a lot of employment uh, so i think it's it's a good start and uh, there there is some way to go uh, in terms of uh, building a strong sort of natural gas ecosystem in our country all right uh moving on twitter banned trump's account president trump's account permanently for violation of terms of service 
the social media platform deleted new tweets posted by Donald Trump, citing that uh, the president was using the platform to incite violence. Other platforms like Facebook have deplatformed Trump, while Google suspended conservatives' uh, go-to app Parler. Uh, this comes after Trump supporters uh, stormed the Capitol building earlier this week, uh, demanding a recount of the recent votes. Ashish, uh, pretty bizarre times. Yeah, uh, seems like this is like a tipping point on the uh, the scope and the reach of big tech now uh, with the debate being sparked globally. Um, we, we have a very appropriate picture of President Trump here uh, in, in, in terms of the reactions that we are likely to see around the world and not just in the US. And with more uh, coercive measures like Parler being de-supported by Amazon on the AWS servers, which was announced like an hour ago. Uh, I think the, the whole debate will, um, will will become much more serious. I think there are several aspects to it or several, let's say, threats to this, right? So one, one debate is freedom of speech. Uh, I actually think it's a very uh, weak argument because theoretically freedom of speech kind of an argument applies to government entities. Uh, all said and done, uh, Twitter is a private entity. So uh, in, in, the, in the stricted sense, you can say that, yes, I mean, they, even if they are being hypocritic or even if they are being judgmental or even if they are applying their policy selectively, well, you know, they, they are only responsible to their shareholders. So as long as they think that they are doing the right thing in terms of maximizing the value of the firm, um, you know, it's, uh, end of the day, it's a private firm, right? So I think the whole freedom of speech argument um, can have a moral or a ethical uh, kind of threat to it, but really uh, it has no practical utility when it comes to applying it to a private firm because Twitter is not the government. Unfortunately, it has got government-like characteristics now, which, which is the second question to debate, which is that is Twitter a public digital utility or like, like a PDU as we call it right in India. So uh, whether it is a utility or not at all is, a, is an also in question, perhaps more so in the US where it was where uh, the, the government arms or the communication has always been much more dependent on social media compared to let's say India where things are still evolving. I mean, all said and Twitter is largely a narrative setting tool and not really a platform of daily discussions with just about four five crore Indians uh, or four five crore handles, I would say, may not be the same number of people, could be lesser number of people uh, active on the platform in India as such. So uh, I think the question the governments will have to answer world over is whether Twitter is a utility or not. And if it's a utility, then what kind of a public responsibility it holds, which could be similar to the functions of the government, right? So I think that is a question to be answered or explored by different governments. Which brings us to the next point, which is that uh, if it's a utility, should it be a platform utility or should it be like uh, treated like a publisher? And uh, the whole debate which President Trump himself sparked by saying that he will remove the the, the safe harbor uh, under the you know so-called Rule 230 in the FCC laws around how these platforms are treated. Um, the fact is he didn't do anything about it apart from his bluster, uh, which I think probably is also the undoing of his, his, his uh, digital existence that he spoke much more than what he actually did. Uh, but uh, I think that that question will be debated in each country as to what is the extent of platformization of these these uh, these uh, uh, you know uh, uh, these tech firms, and where should the buck stop? Now, even if you treat them as a publisher, then uh, you know you have to actually concede some uh, let's say discretion to them, right? So because when when you're a pub publisher, there has to be some kind of self-regulation or some kind of following a government. Uh, let's say rules and regulations uh, as it applies to print or TV media, which is which is also by the way self-regulated, right? They also are not really regulated by the government 
at least in india so uh, in in that sense even if you designate them as a publisher it may not change anything much because there are complaints against even tv and print media in india as, uh, uh, you know and so on and once you call them publisher anyway i mean even if you call them platform the fact is that the expectation will always remain that they will censor certain types of speeches right so for example can you can the platform then be open to create a uh, account by let's say a terrorist organization so obviously you, no one wants that right so then but then already that already brings in the characteristics of a publisher in in, in that sense because the the line is pretty thin where uh, in in terms of what censorship a platform should allow without being becoming a publisher i think that's a very difficult one to define in a automatic fashion or in a rules defined way because these things are very contextual to what's happening uh, on a day to day basis and of course because tech and narrative will always be ahead of rules and regulations it's it's a fact so you cannot uh, uh, regulate or define rules which may be relevant even 2 3 years from now so uh, i think this whole debate of where the buck stops and where the buck starts with the as 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 a publisher this is a very difficult one to really automate and codify and and this will this will uh, haunt uh, all all countries i mean it's more than the us the countries like india or israel or indonesia or brazil where these platforms are growing and and uh, some of them uh, i mean these are the markets which these companies look forward to in terms of owning uh, these they, these countries will have a difficult time making the, that decision which then brings us to the other last point which is that what are the alternatives right because if if you cannot regulate them or if, uh, in a, in a sensible way or in a practical way are there alternatives available so i think that again alternatives can be at multiple levels right so there could be an application layer alternative where you can say that okay instead of twitter i'll go to parler but then what happens when the infrastructure layer bans the application layer which is happening in case of parler as we speak uh, where amazon aws is saying that we will essentially not let parler uh, be online amazon and google so uh, in that case uh, the the alternatives then have to be at the level of let's say the app stores uh, or at the level of the hosting infrastructure and so on so i think the whole conundrum of going atmanirbhar so as to speak is uh, a quite a complex one i mean you can start uh, get, get going on, going self reliant on apps is relatively easier and we do have that already in india in terms of apps like tutor for example or in the us with signal uh, as what what uh, Uh, what what became popular in the last couple of days after the trump ban and the whatsapp the change of terms of conditions for whatsapp but uh, i think th- that part is relatively simpler but uh, may not be foolproof uh, even at the level of let's say a app store where google can uh, selectively ban an app but let's say another app store allows them but what if google bans the app store itself the the entire app store itself right so of of of, a, of an independent party So I think those questions will remain. So basically, even ultimately, uh, unless you hit the uh, the core of it, which is the uh, the the hardware and the software itself, the I mean the OS itself. Uh, but that's a long journey, uh, and it could be very pra- impractical and very costly journey for any country to invest in per se. I think the only lo- logical alternative could be like you know what Balaji uh, S had tweeted yesterday, which is around having a sovereign app store to say that okay. a country can basically create its own apps. Uh, hosted inside the country, data residing inside the country with no access for big tech, and even if it doesn't solve, or even if it does not mirror, let's say the functionality or the openness or the uh, uh, network effects of a Twitter or a Facebook, at least there's a national alternative available, right? So I think his 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 uh, his, his suggestion was very practical that just go and uh, you know uh, copy whatever these guys have done, create an app which is functional, and then let people uh, just signal to people that they need to migrate there. 
so maybe perhaps that's a way to go but i think it's a, it's a large, much larger question which which is unfortunately very urgent uh, at this stage i am not so much concerned about the, the the election in india which a lot of people use as a marker for 2024 i think this is a much bigger problem which will haunt generations to come right so i think it should not be linked to the next election per se but it is something to think about for the government of india and for the governments around the world outside of the us yeah it's a very comprehensive overview ashish and uh, i think in my opinion uh, uh, balaji shrinivasan's uh, suggestion of an atmanirbhar uh, app store or you know uh, own indigenous digital capabilities is like it, it's the tipping point at this point of time right because uh, who would i trust with regulation who would i trust with uh, you know any kind of discretion would i trust uh, a platform uh, would i trust a private entity who i cannot uh, whose management i cannot vote in or would i trust uh, a government which i can vote out in 4 years if i don't like them right so um to me it was just uh, it was just such a bizarre moment that uh, you know the person who put, who can potentially nuke countries was uh, silenced uh, last week right uh, people are distracted by trump but they're missing the point it's not about trump it's about the office of the presidency right and it's going to have long standing effects um, yeah i mean we're going to see some interesting times ahead i feel uh we do have a question uh from imish asking does it make sense to move to alternate apps like signal considering the new whatsapp privacy policy ashish uh, what's your thought on that see i am not a big worrier about the policy the privacy part of it because i think the my assumption is that everything that needs to be known by the firms is already known yeah. so uh, i i don't know what incremental damage will whatsapp do by connecting to facebook uh having said that um you know pe- people who are i think the issue here is about the payments part i think that's what something someone needs to analyze uh, especially in the indian context because whatsapp pay was just launched and innovate was also so given a market share uh, by default by cap- by the competitor uh, uh, market share being capped at 30% right so i think that that is a question to answer for me in terms of the indian situation otherwise in terms of you know reading contacts or phone numbers or history browsing history i mean i'm pretty sure all tech giants already have it they already so, do it right yeah, yeah. so i, I, I actually, don't know yeah actually i mean a question to both of you guys right i mean i i am probably i mean we can do a whole podcast on this and we should i mean is this the end of this whole libertarian free market fantasy that uh, you know we we have seen for last 20 years or so i don't think so i think uh, see the thing is uh, whenever anything happens uh, the people who are at the fringe so to speak their positions become harder so you might actually see them come out and say that you know this is what we were worried about there is going to be more monopoly and so on the government this is all backed by the government which is why we should have less of government and more free market at least that's mm-hmm. my view and the other extreme will also take a, a similarly an opposite view saying that big companies are getting bigger uh you know the the man on the street right. is being left out and so on so i think i we'll see both positions kind of hardening even more after this yeah, yeah i i will just say that uh, you know the whole debate and around... and uh, just one thing and actually they are so small in number that their views actually don't matter in the larger context well uh, what's up we, we are here because some of those views mattered in the us over the years right they influenced yeah, they, yeah. they they forced the us government to go so small in size that it yeah. became so small and uh, very small in uh, impact right and that's where yeah. that's why we are where we are um, i i actually think that the people who uh, you know think that 
culture uh, culture technology economics are upstream of politics should uh, reassess their views and politics should take more center stage that that would be my summary of the situation all right wow i think uh, this is the longest uh, segment we've ever had on the weekly uh, we have plenty to cover so i'm going to move on really quickly uh, the emergency approval for covid-19 vaccines sparked a political controversy sadly uh, the indigenous covaxin vaccine developed by bharat biotech and the covid covid shield uh, uh, vaccine developed by the serum institute were approved for use the efficacy of covid shield was uh, 70.42% while covaxin is in quotes is safe and it provides a robust immune response however the vaccines haven't completed the phase 3 trials political leaders such as akhilesh yadav called for a boycott of the vaccines uh, what's our quick thoughts yeah i mean very unfortunate in the sense that uh, even a vaccine is now politicized uh, see there were some reasons to be worried about uh, co vaccine maybe a couple of weeks ago when uh, you know a person who was uh, inject a uh, part of the trials uh, passed away unfortunately after 10 days but uh, they later on found out that it was due to a sort of cardio respiratory failure uh, because of poisoning uh, and that has been clarified uh now the approvals for covid shield and covaxin are quite different uh in the sense that covid shield uh, will be provided uh, as a vaccine and covaxin is a backup only in case of an emergency and that too is subject to the phase 3 trials uh, for which they've just completed enrollment and there were no side effects uh, other than this one unfortunate case uh, you know shown uh, by due to covaxin uh, use now the thing here is that covid shield has had more problems in the sense and we talked about this uh, in the podcast in the sense that they goofed up on the dosage uh, you know initially it was supposed to be two doses and then for some people they gave half a dose and then another dose after 28 days and they found it to be more effective so you know what was a mistake then suddenly became part of the plan uh, similarly there were issues with the placebo they used they didn't use a consistent placebo uh, so if anything covid shield has had more issues than covaxin to date uh, but uh, you know an indian company coming up with a vaccine which is which will also be more likely to be resistant when it comes to all the strains we are seeing is is very unfortunate uh, and it is good that you know uh, p chidambaram has also written about this saying that these issues should not be politicized uh, especially something like vaccination uh, which has a long term impact uh, if people start hesitating vaccinating their children at an early age because of issues like this it could lead to far greater health problems for the overall nation so it's it's kind of best avoided uh, i think all right uh The government issued guidelines for 20 eminent institutions to establish foreign centers and full-fledged campuses. These recognized institutes of eminence have to submit a project report, a 10-year plan, and a five-year rolling implementation plan. Uh, these institute of excellences can now start offshoring operations with 500 students and five PG programs. They can open up to three offshore centers. Ashish. Uh, how do you see this uh, development yeah pretty interesting uh, development this is actually from the atmanirbhar bharat announcements which happened in may 
where uh, the idea was that indian university will be allowed to go out and see the world and conversely we will also make uh, our uh, education system open for the foreign universities to participate in so i think this is the it is like the first step towards that direction um the uh, i mean we have about 20 institutes of eminence right now 10 in private sector and 10 in uh, 10 public which include uh, iid bombay delhi madras uh, khadakpur iisc uh, i think university of hyderabad also so uh, these uh, institutes will now be allowed to open centers and i think uh, there'll be very ready acceptance uh, in countries where there are a, there are a lot of uh, indian origin population uh, and analyze or even uh, people who are not indian citizens but who have indian family roots right so i think uh, as such uh, just from a acceptability perspective indian education can actually have a fairly broad acceptance given that the branding is pretty good and uh, we we actually can have can support just the indian diaspora can support uh uh presence of universities in multiple countries so uh, of course in this case the idea is that there'll be a gradual shift or gradual opening up rather uh, so they they can uh, have maximum of three offshore campuses in uh, five years and not more than one per academic year so this is more like a trial uh, which has been allowed but then having said that given that there are 20 ioes um even if let's say uh, so so a maximum of uh, 60 uh, offshore centers can be opened in the next five years so i think that's a pretty big number and coupled with the fact that um the 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 new education policy now stresses more around skills and more about diploma and certifications rather than degrees i think there's a possibility of good uh, innovation here for these universities to attract uh, more let's say skills based uh, foreign students and as well as an indian diaspora students so they they, they could even even have not just degree programs but also more certification or short term uh, uh, skills based programs so exciting times i think is a good opportunity for higher education uh, both for the government run uh, institutes as well as for the private ones to to expand and basically have more let's say the indian style of learning or education uh, being getting prominent around the world all right finally uh, india has planned the deployment of agni 5 in 2021 the icbm had 30 successful missions in the last 30 three months uh, the agni missile has a range of 5000 plus uh, kilometers Uh, the army has selected a handful of strategic locations to deploy these missiles its navigation systems are developed by drdo and are capable of taking down targets in the whole of asia and half of europe uh what's up what does this mean for india's uh, military dominance so yeah uh, agni 5 uh, has been uh, under development for a while now and we've been testing it since 2012 and 2018 was the last test after which uh, the decision was taken you know to deploy it uh, in the armed forces and the army has been testing it extensively uh, the thing with agni 5 is that it is uh, deterrent ready in the sense that uh, uh, it it can easily be moved around by road and uh, there's no additional you know fitting etc that needs to be done before deployment so it uh, wherever it is it can be fired immediately uh, in in case of uh, in case of a war or you know an attack on india uh, so to that extent uh, it it it's a very significant step up it's also very accurate uh, much more accurate than the uh, earlier versions of ballistic missiles it puts india in a exclusive club of countries that can uh, 
manufacture and deploy intercontinental uh, ballistic missiles uh, and but you know considering that both india and china have a no first use policy it just sets the threshold for deterrence a lot higher which which i think is a is a good thing mm-hmm. uh, so uh, exciting times ahead in terms of what's going on in the drdo the drdo uh, will obviously benefit from this and also just another sort of unrelated thing which is that as part of atmanirbhar bharat uh, rajnath singh put you know 101 items uh, on the no import list so that again Uh, helps drdo to build more indigenous capability uh, which which uh, which will lead to a stronger sort of defense manufacturing setup in india so over, overall uh, good developments all right uh, so that's it from the week that was uh, coming up we have a couple of very interesting live streams for you uh, we have uh, shakti sinaji who's the author of watchbye the years that changed india on jan 13th which is wednesday 7 pm onwards and i'm going to be hosting it along with rajiv mantri who you've heard on a previous podcast uh, discussing the life and times of uh, atal bihari vajpayee ji uh, also we have uh, shri rajiv malhotra talking about his latest book artificial intelligence and the future of power that is on thursday and it will be hosted uh, by vivek uh, khetan who you've heard before and myself uh, this is on uh, again as i mentioned jan 14 thursday and will start at 7:30 pm go to the youtube links uh, and definitely set yourself an alert uh, for these two live streams it's going to be really exciting and going to take all of your questions and try to get as many of these uh, questions answered uh, in that time all right guys thank you so much uh, for choosing to skip the news and watch the weekly from ashish watsa and myself have a great week ahead stay safe take care and jai hind